CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's time for your money and your life once again with Don Cash and myself. Of course, Don is a CPA and a CFP at Donald W. Cash and Associates, and we are going to talk about uh, threats, traps, and tips. Yay, it's tax time, folks. So planning for the next couple of months, some things to think about as tax season is upon us. Not to mention, uh, the time we're taping this, I believe it's Ash Wednesday. Don and I were just talking about Fat Tuesday yesterday. Groundhog Day is upon us. So I don't know, Don, six more weeks of winter. What you got, buddy? I hope not, Mark. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> six more weeks is six more weeks means uh, three more weeks is what we hope for, right? Yeah. Six weeks is six weeks takes us to, I guess, official uh, first part of spring. So I'm always hoping, right? Um, hoping for an early an early spring. But it's funny you mentioned the Groundhog Day. I know it's one of your favorite movies. Right? Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure most people listening have seen the movie, right? I mean, that's Bill Murray. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now it's a classic. But yep. you know, it's funny now the term Groundhog Day, Mark. It's it's pretty much part of our vocabulary, right? True. We re- yeah. refer to it, you know, with uh, to like a monotonous, sort of unpleasant, repetitive situation. Yeah. And I think you know, three years ago when COVID started, I used the term like a million times. Oh, for the repeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like every day. It's Groundhog Day, right? right but yeah. the, the movie has got like so many philosophical parallels to life and even financial planning. It's a great reference, but I didn't realize I was looking at this today. The movie's 30 years old. I know it. I know. Yeah, time flies by, doesn't it? You know, it's funny you say that, Don, because uh, I typically turn on some kind of uh, television show, some sort of sitcom or something like that, and I have it playing because I, I have Meniere's disease ringing in the ear pretty loudly, so I usually have a lot of white noise going on in the bedroom. And the wife's fantastic about it, so I usually have something playing. And I, I was sitting there, found a, I found a show to turn on, let it play. It had nine seasons worth of episodes, right? And so I turned it on to it. I said, hey, if I asked you, if I said, hey, I'm going to put on a TV show that's 40 years old and watch, what would you think? And she's like, I don't know. I love Lucy or Dick Van Dyke. And I'm like, no, it's Night Court from the 80s. Wow. <laughs> 40 years has gone. I mean, it's amazing how fast time flies by, to your point. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you think when you look at those shows like I Love Lucy and, and Dick Van Dyke, they're, like they're 60 years ago. Years yeah. Old. I know. Like, Cheers is you know, 40 years old, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, it's time does fly. And, and I was thinking that another way that our show is kind of reminds me of Groundhog Day. Mark. Uh-huh. It's more recently, it seems to fall on the day that the federal reserve <laughs> <laughs> announced it's a rate hike, which is today. Oh, geez. Uh, again. Again. Yeah. How do we keep timing that out? I don't know. I don't it's, know. Uh, maybe we, Maybe we're just inadvertently on their schedule. That's right. They they do. <laughs> they were like, you know what? Mark and Don are talking today. We're going to drop this information so they can share it. Well, as we turn the calendar over to the month of February, tax season is officially upon us. So let's get into it, I suppose, Don. What should investors be looking for related to changes, pitfalls, opportunities, all that good stuff between now and T-Day? Yeah. I mean, according to the IRS, January 23rd, for whatever reason, they picked that day. That kicks off tax season mm-hmm. right from January 23rd on. But it'll be here before you know it. Actually, this year, Mark, it's Tuesday, April 18th. So it's not the 15th. Um, the 15th on a Saturday. 
right? Of course, they don't. If the fifteenth right. is on a Saturday or Sunday, right. they kind of kick it forward. They haven't decided but, to do that yet. So yeah. So but the but Monday the seventeenth is a holiday in Washington D.C. It's Emancipation Day. I guess it's a new holiday there. Um, and any holiday in Washington is considered a holiday for the rest of us when it comes to right. uh, tax reasons. So also, I found out that by the way, residents of Alabama, California, and Georgia. Uh, who are impacted by severe storms have until May 15th oh, really? to file. And oddly, that believe it or not, that does not include residents of Florida who were impacted by Hurricane Ian, like I guess it was the end of September. What? Really? Yeah, it's kind of weird that they would choose Alabama, California, and Georgia. Yeah, but, really? Yeah, but taxpayers can also file an extension to extend their deadline six months that's to October 16th. Is that for everybody or just the folks in those states? No, that's always a, that is a, uh, that's a, a rule. There's oh, no special okay. circumstance. You can extend your filing um, six months and, uh, and that's uh, available to anyone. Okay. Now wait. Oh, that's right. You're right. All right. I am familiar with that, but that's the, that's the filing deadline. Don't you still have to pay or something like that if you owe by like still the same tax day, 15th, 16th, somewhere in there? Yeah, a great point, Mark. It's uh, y- we shouldn't think that extending the filing to October gives you more time to pay up. Yeah, that's what was confusing me for a second. I was like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah, okay. that's a common misunderstanding. I'm glad you brought that up. The IRS wants their money now, <laughs> right? Um, right, or, <laughs> or by April 18th. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, many people can file their extensions because they don't have all their required forms. Okay. Uh, that are mailed to them on time. And for a business partner or an investor, it would be something like a K-1 form. Right. That's kind of akin to like a 1099 form many of us get. But you definitely have to cough up the money by April. But, you know, they just have to make an estimate. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about some of those forms, Don, and what actions people should be considering now. Because as I mentioned, we are taping this uh, what February 1st. So uh, we'll be dropping that this tomorrow on February 2nd. So this gives them a little time. So give us some things. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I suggest now, and I'm getting a lot of this now, is to be really careful at your mail looking for a tax form. And the outside of the envelope that you get should be pretty obvious. It says something like important tax return document enclosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you receive the form electronically, you know, we have to be mindful of the email as well. And I think, you know, so many of us just are in the habit mark of just, throwing out what we think is junk mail or not going through stuff you know as carefully as we used to very true uh, or just deleting mail i mean mark i must get like i don't know a hundred emails a day although it is funny how like we used to like get emails and we would very carefully scrutinize those because we didn't get many and we would barely pay any attention to the to the mail snail mail to me it feels like it's the other way now now we get such little snail mail that when something comes i pay attention to it and emails i get inundated with so i delete those faster it's almost like the world has flipped a little bit you know yeah i could see that for sure yeah. and, you know at certain times of the year you get a lot more mail it's right, junk yeah. mail it's advertising things like postcards things like that true but i would say just you know be sure that you have a good filing system okay uh, in place. And here are the most common forms that, that people get. Uh, a lot of us are familiar with most of them, but some of you might not be familiar with and Some of them are new. Uh, the W-2, right? That's for wages paid during the prior year, which is 2022. The 1098 form, that's for mortgage interest, right? That's something we get. Um, and sometimes it's like, uh, it's a part of your last 
you know, your, your mortgage statement for, for that period of time, right? So like 1098 form is sometimes in that. It just shows you the mortgage interest that you've paid during the year, and it's possible to itemize that expense, right? So right when we're paying a mortgage, let's say you're paying $2,000 a month in your mortgage, it's not all deductible. A lot of people think that it is, Mark. It's funny about that. Um, you're only deducting the mortgage interest and you're, you have more interest in the beginning of the mortgage period than at the end. So if your mortgage is 15 years old and now you're, you know, five years left, you're paying very little interest. Mm -hmm. Um, the other is, there's another form 1098, which is college tuition. So if you have kids in school, your institution's going to send you that form. And sometimes that's not marked so clearly. So that's for, you know, people that can take uh, college, uh, tax credits and not miss that. And there's a bunch of different 1099 forms, Mark. I mean, some of these things we see regularly, like uh, for a retired person or someone who is drawing from their IRA, it would be a 1099R, that's distributions from their pensions and annuities. That's likely the largest one that people get, Mark, because you know if they're getting a pension or if they're drawing a lot from their right. IRA, it's a big number. Sure. They get a 1099 for interest from the bank. That's a 1099INT for interest, a 1099 uh, DIV for dividends. Here's one. I'm not sure if you've seen this uh, in your mailbox. It's a 1099 composite. You ever see that? In, no. In the mail, so, or, or they call it 1099B sometimes. It's a part of it. It kind of looks like a statement, like a statement you would get from your custodian. Mm-hmm. So it could be like from Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard. And it has all the capital gains that you're paying out of your mutual funds. This is oh. often for people who have mutual funds that are not in an IRA. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't have capital gains. <laughs> yeah, if you don't have a capital, if it's in your IRA, IRA you're not going to get this composite form. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the ten, there's also a 1095A. This is fairly new, but they're sending a lot of these out. This is if you received health insurance from what they call this marketplace. A lot of people refer to this as Obamacare. Right, right, yeah. Right, so if you get a, a plan from there, you'll get a 1095A. Uh, here's one that's going to be growing. Uh, it's called a 1099LTC oh. for long-term care. Yeah, I figured, yeah. So if someone receives any benefits from a long-term care policy, they might see a giant LTC 1099. Hmm. Um, keep in mind that's for the majority of people with tax qualified plans. It's really not a taxable event, Mark. So it's people shouldn't get like freaked out when they get this thing. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, but if you have any family members, a lot of us, you know, they might have a parent or an aunt or someone they know that gets one of these things. You should really have the uh, tax advisor explain what this is so they don't get nervous. And there's more 1099s that some people get. And, you know, there's a lot of these miscellaneous. Here's one that's interesting. When you get one from Social Security, Mm -hmm. it doesn't say 1099 SSA. It says SSA 1099. There's a a little trick there. I don't know what they're doing. They're fancy. (laughs) (laughs) But there's 1099 NECs for contractors. Wow, there's a ton. Yeah, 1099G for unemployment so a lot of people who had covert related issues were dealing with that 1099 g for unemployment but the 1099 you know for an uber driver they would get one of those yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of us are familiar with just the basic i guess maybe we've just consolidated in our um so you know societal vocabulary of going oh i got 1099 right uh whether it's one of the different kinds or not because i don't really think i ever thought about the multiple kinds and of course it would make sense that 
you know, somebody, our government's form happy somewhere. So, oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, okay. So, once people get these forms organized, Don, what should they be looking at from a planning perspective between now and April? And again, you know, tax prep, I suppose, is the annual thing we're talking about here, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and you know, besides the organization, which is, I, I don't want to over look that i mean i'll just you know kind of gloss over that mark because just making sure that you you have these in your files that you give to your accountant is really critical because sometimes people think i can leave one out or it's not that big a deal but the irs matches them up Mm -hmm. right so if you you know if you're not uh if if someone sends you a 1099 they're looking for the other side of that being you're you know matching that up and giving to your accountant so you're paying tax on that money right right. so you really can't overlook any of these things but here's some top action points and you know a lot of our clients are doing this uh, anyway but these are some things that are missed and number one is funding your ira you can make a seven thousand dollar contribution six thousand dollars of course if you're under age 50 to a traditional ira or a roth ira and if you're married, you can double that to $14,000, even if your spouse doesn't work. Really? Yeah, I wasn't aware of that either. So does that mean that if they're contributing, does that change that? Or is it only if they don't work? No, no. If two people are working or if one person's working. Oh. So let's say if I'm working and my wife is not or vice versa, if she's working and I'm not, uh, we can both contribute since we're married to an IRA, $7,000 each. So it's pretty cool. Fantastic. Okay. So there's two main eligibility requirements for this, Mark. You need working earned income, right? So a lot of retired people can't do this because they don't have working income. Right. They don't have a job anymore. They're retired. Yeah, correct. And and your income can't be too high, right? So if someone's making $300,000 a year, for example, they can't contribute to an IRA uh, or or a Roth IRA. So the income... The requirements are actually a little bit more generous with the tax-free Roth IRA. So we like that, of course, because of the tax-free nature of the Roth IRA, but it gives people more room to contribute as well. So the, the contribution limit's over $200,000 for that Roth IRA, and it's less than that for a traditional IRA. So you forego the deduction with the Roth IRA, but all that money in the account grows tax-free. And of course, we're talking about affecting the 2022 tax returns here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and I meant to ask you when I when I chimed in about the married uh, bit there, but the number's higher too, correct? Isn't it? Didn't we talk about that with the Secure Act 2.0? Did they raise that to, from past the 7,000? Yeah, actually, you know, it, it's a good point. They raised it last month when they had that new law, but it's, it's going to be $7,500 for 2023. Oh, that's, yeah, 2023. Right? So that's now right. we're still okay. dealing with 2022. Yeah, so this is uh, the 2022 tax season. It's always a confusing issue right so next year we're going to be dealing with a seventy five hundred dollars each so uh, the next thing to keep in mind in terms of an opportunity is making a, a health savings account contribution i'm seeing more of these particularly for younger people mark you know for people in their 40s and 50s they're often at work have these health savings accounts uh, or if they're self-employed as well so like the ira contribution you have until april 18th for a health savings account contribution and these accounts, you know, they really operate, Mark, how would I would describe them. It's like a Roth IRA for health insurance. The money is used tax-free for health expenses, but even better, you get an upfront tax deduction for the amount going into the account. So it's pretty cool. So you get a deduction for the money going in, and when you take the money out for health expenses, it's not taxable. 
And if you're over the age of 55, the family contribution limits $8,300. So it's a, it's a nice amount of money without these, without those um, earnings limits for the Roth IRA and the traditional IRA. So I suggest to younger people to kind of bulk up on these accounts. So if people have kids in their 30s or 40s, uh, or if you're in your 50s, or you can, it could be in your 60s as well, encourage it. It gets a little tricky once you at age 65 and you apply for Medicare, you can't contribute any longer. So it's a little quirky at that point. But for people who are in their working years, I definitely uh, suggest contributing to one of these. Okay. So all of that needs to be done by April though, correct? This is not part of that October extension. Yeah, that's right. That's a great point. So these are all April deadline items, right? Um, the one IRA contribution though, you here's a gets back to that extension that you can make by the October extension date is a, is a SEP IRA, SEP. And that's the kind of IRA that's for small business owners. They often use that mark. Uh, the the initials SEP means Simplified Employee Pension, and for that type of IRA, that's really cool. You can make a contribution between April and October, uh, right up to the deadline, and still accounts for 2022. And what's more, that deduction can be much higher. It's up to sixty one thousand dollars. Okay, uh, up to October deadline. So with all of these forms, Don, to look out for. What are some of the things people should be looking for in a CPA or a tax preparer to file their taxes each year? Obviously, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah, it's a great question. And there's really no perfect uh, one-size-fits-all mark. However, as we get older and and our assets grow, I do encourage uh, people to deal with an experienced CPA. So those who prepare and file the taxes every year from the 1040, I kind of categorize them into three basic categories, Mark. Uh, the first is the do-it-yourselfer type. You know, I would su- typically only suggest that for people doing the most simple type of filing. And many younger people who just start working and they only have like maybe a W-2 form. Uh, they do it this way. And the IRS has even made it easier. They've created something called a 1040 easy form for filing situations. Have you ever dealt with that for any of your kids? Uh, well, I mean, I, I remember way back in the day doing that myself and my daughter did that her first couple of years at college, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we did, you know, going back, you know, 20, 30 years ago when we were first starting out, uh, doing the easy form still exists. And as it's what they say, it's easy, Mark, one of the few <laughs> things in government that's easy. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a, it's a simple filing form. Uh, the second category which is probably a little bit more common now is sort of the, like the H and R block type tax preparer. And this is really best for also the simple situations, maybe a couple of 1099s and a W four form or W two form. I should say uh, the, the charge is, is small. It's, it's very modest, typically under $200. You know, this is like an area where there's a lot of competition out in the world. And, and you start seeing this, uh, this time of year, have you ever seen these, people standing on the roadside, Mark, holding these big signs that point toward the tax preparer's office. Yeah, yeah. The, I think like Liberty Tax and stuff like that. I see that one yeah. a lot around here where they, you know, somebody's dressed like the Statue of Liberty and they're spinning the signs <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I see this all over the place. It, it's uh, it, like these spinning sides or sandwich boards where, where someone's trying to, you know, encourage someone to come in for uh you know, for their tax preparation. Uh, but the third category 
I guess is is more common for most of our clients. It's a CPA who's familiar with dealing with more forms and circumstances, and they should be familiar with a lot of these 1099 or the 1098 forms and the retirement distributions, uh, the K-1 forms for investment income. However, there's still things to be mindful of, even with these professionals. Uh, And two things I always suggest to people consider when when they have a a CPA uh, that's preparing their taxes. One, one point is they are often totally swamp mark with forms and filings between now and April. And, you know, if you think of it this way, have you ever seen your CPA's office in March? Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine's is, he's crazy. He's a little nuts. Yeah. I mean, they are just, you just piled up with papers and, and, uh, you know, they are just swamped with filings and making sure they're, you know, hitting deadlines and getting returns out the door. And, you know, a CPA might have, you know, 500 or 1,000 clients' forms they have to finish by either, you know, April, most of them by April 18th or some of them by the, the uh, tax filing deadline. And, and typically, you know, here's another point to think of. They're not trained to do financial planning, okay? They, they may suggest making an IRA contribution to reduce this year's taxes, but they're really not forward thinking in their planning. And in other words, a CPA is often looking through the rearview mirror market and not through the windshield. And when we're planning for retirement, we're trying to reduce your lifetime tax burden and not just taxes for this year alone. Now, that's a great point. So like for yourself, because you are both because you're a CPA as well as a CFP, you are kind of looking at that historical aspect, but you're also future looking as well. Uh, so that's a fantastic point. Can you kind of give an example of that for folks? Yeah, you know, IRA planning is a really good example, Mark. I mean, if someone has, uh, let's say, a, a million dollars saved in their IRA or, or $2 million or whatever the number might be, whether it's in their IRA or 401k and they retire, they may be taking money out each year for required distribution or living expenses and they're paying taxes on that money and it could be fifty thousand dollars or more each year for 25 years of retirement and that could be maybe close to a million and a half or two million dollars or more in distributions they're paying taxes every year and they would still have a balance left over to be taxed so the income taxes on that could be you know, some were between a half a million, a million dollars or more in taxes over that time. So we need a plan for the lifetime tax burden, not just for last year's tax burden. So this is why we're very often discussing the tax-free Roth IRA. Yeah, that's a good point. I can understand the burden that um, the tax preparer has, you know, tax preparer has in a short period of time. There's likely no time really to dig deeply into these issues, right? They're trying to churn this thing over. Yeah, that's a, a big issue. I mean, it, it really is. They're not digging deep into the return. I'm not saying this is everyone, Mark. I mean, this right. is just, you know, it's sort of a common issue. It's a common thing I see. It, it leads to some misdeductions and, and often, you know, missed planning opportunities. Any examples of that? Well, in the past, I think even the last show, we discussed the charitable contribution, right? Mm-hmm. And the gifting from the IRA. That's a common missed opportunity. 
I'll give you another example of a few I've seen, especially recently for retirees. If someone retires from their job, you know, and now they're working as a consultant, or let's say if they're a realtor, for example, that's a good example. Uh, they're considered to be self-employed. Okay, they're going to get one of those 1099 forms, and there's over 10 million people in this country that are considered self-employed. It's far more than any other country, by the way, any other Western country. And these people have a special category of health deduction. It's called self-employed health insurance. And that's a special kind of deduction. And it can include things like Medicare premiums, Medicare supplements, health insurance, long-term care insurance. And it could add up to twenty dollars or $30,000. And it's a direct deduction from your income goes on schedule one actually of your tax return form and that's something that's often missed now is that different from the itemized deduction you know it really is mark that itemized deduction people think about that goes on schedule a right you've seen that that's all the deductions like your mortgage and you know your other itemized uh expense deductions like your charitable contributions and things like that mm -hmm. but you know for those deductions you need to exceed seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income and then you get to deduct it and then you get to itemize but that's a big mistake mark because a lot of people really don't itemize anymore right they take a standard deduction so often what happens that they just simply lose the health care health insurance deduction and I've seen a few of these recently. And if you think of it this way, if you off your health insurance, and a lot of people have a hard time comprehending this because if you're self-employed, $2,000 a month is not unusual, right? For health insurance. Right. So if you think about that, that's $24,000 a year. Someone might have long-term care insurance. They're paying between five and $10,000 a year. And now you're up to maybe $30,000 a year in deductions. So if the deductions, let's use a more modest number, $20,000, and a person's in a 22% tax bracket, that's $4,400 in their pocket that's missed. Yeah, that's hefty. And, you know, I, I know we're getting a little long, but I just kind of want to wrap it up here with one or two more questions. So how does something like that get missed? So I'd like to kind of finish that up. Yeah, there's two reasons, I think. One is, we mentioned before, the tax preparer is super busy. They just miss it. They don't look deeply enough. And two, the tax preparer just doesn't know how to properly account for it. That is, that does happen. So a good CPA is a vital resource uh, and a solid advisory team should include, for sure, lead advisor, as well as a CPA, a state planning attorney, an insurance expert, people like that. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. I'm really glad you pointed out the differences, you know, in doing things kind of our on, you know, online ourselves, like the TurboTax, and then maybe the the H and R Block or the Jackson Hewitt kind of thing. And then as life gets more complicated, you know, it's really important to look at some of these deeper issues that you've highlighted this week on the podcast. And Don, of course, being a CPA, again, and a CFP, is looking, you know, on both sides of that. So that's why you need somebody uh, like Don. So if you got questions, need some help, reach out to him, get yourself onto his calendar, have a conversation. Uh, don't forget, you can always just give him a jingle at 800-664-1183. But you can find him online at donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources there. Kind of get started, reach out to him that way. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, excuse me, on whatever podcast platform app you like uh, your money and your life you can type it in the search box of any of those apps to pull it up like apple podcast or 
You can also just find it on the website, DonaldCash.com. Don, my friend, thanks for getting into some of this for us. I know there was a lot of content this week, but I certainly appreciate you taking the time to break it down. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next time right here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.